podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Nina Kauza Show. This show is brought to you in partnership with Liberty Shield, the perfect VPN companion for all your entertainment and privacy needs, where you get a massive 25% off everything using the coupon code AIVPN. Yep, that's right, a massive 25% off with the coupon code AIVPN. Liberty Shields offers free VPN apps for iOS, Android, Amazon, Fire Stick, and Mac and Windows. Oh, my God, what the fuck is going on? I mean, we're champions and all that, but you cannot lose to Arsenal. I'm sorry, you can't lose to Arsenal. Like, is that's just non-negotiable. But that's exactly what we did. Uh, 2-1 to Arsenal, plenty to talk about. It's a good job you can't see my face right now because it pretty much resembles how Jurgen Klopp looked when the second one went in. It was like someone handed me a shitty nappy, literally me hosting the show. But it's not about me. I think we've got some excellent callers. I will have some excellent guests as well. So without further ado, let me introduce them to you. First up, it is a familiar voice on the Nina Kauza show. You've heard him many a times on the podcast. It certainly helped me out during lockdown. It's, you know, the perks. I get to podcast with this guy quite a lot. It's an honor to have back to Diva. To Diva, welcome back. Why Arsenal? Why? Why? The one team. I know, oh. and the double whammy in your house, right? You know, like... Yeah, all, all around sadness in the house. Yeah, mm, absolutely. Uh, yeah, we will discuss that. But thank you so much for joining us, Tadeva. I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts and um, on, on the game. And uh, joining Tadeva, I'm quite excited about this one. I think the last time he was actually on my show was about three years ago and we did play Arsenal. Um, it's... He's making his comeback like Shakiri. It is an honour to introduce back Rory Greenfield. How are you, Rory? Yeah, I was good until the game, to be honest. <laughs> um, I can't even believe that. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it, but it's, it's one of those things. I'm, I'm happy to be back. I will try and not be negative because I haven't spoken about football in quite some time. Um, and there's a lot of positives to take from the season. Um, but yeah, I cannot believe that result, to be honest, because I, I still, you know, when you watch games, you think, how did we lose that game? You know, and yeah. it was just one of those games. So crazy. Literally that, yeah, that was literally the conversation that we were having before you joined us um, yeah. on, on Discord. So yeah, we, we will di- we'll discuss that. And obviously, that'll be can I Can there. I say welcome back to Rory as well? And also, be be real. Just say what the fuck you want. If it's negative, it's fine. Literally, like you know what? Just let yeah. it out. Yeah. We won the yeah. league, yeah. but he, we, if it's not a good game for us, it's not a good game. If it's yeah. not a good night. Just say it because you know what? Yeah. People love it. People love it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to be real with the listeners right now. I really hate these eight o'clock kickoffs. 
Um, I, I've, you know, I know we won the league in the restart, but I think we've been terrible in the restart. I hate these late kickoffs because we've not been playing great, and I've had some shit sandwiches, and I have to stay up till past midnight to do this. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is going on? It reminds me of like the first season I started doing these post-match shows, and I was doing them. Um, the, the champions when Brendan Rogers first Champions League and we ended up in Europe and I used to be up to like three in the morning editing. Do you remember Gags? It's not as bad as that. Sorry, I was on me. Yeah, yeah. I do remember. Yeah. yeah, you know, those were, those were dark times in terms of football and then the, then the whole editing process. But anyway, guys, it's great to have both of you on. Let me get our first, um, caller in. We've got quite a lot of joining us live. Misery loves company. Who knew? Um, joining us first, I am delighted to welcome back another familiar voice. It's Nick Turner, or should I say G's on Toast. Welcome to the show, Nick. Hi, how's it going? Thanks for having me back. It's great to have you back. Uh, <laughs> what, what do you make of that, Nick? <laughs> well, yeah, it was, it was a funny one, wasn't it? I mean, I thought... We started off, I mean, the first 15, 20 minutes was really fantastic. Like, we were pressing really high up the pitch. I saw Virgil even, like, up in the in the penalty box a couple of times, and it seemed like we were just completely imposing on them. And, you know, it seemed like there was only one way this game was going to go. Um, and it was great work from Robbo on the goal. And, you know, a really nice little cross in there for Mane to finish. And everything seemed like it was going really, really well. And then... And then, I don't know, it was just just two dreadful defensive errors, you know? Like, I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, everyone says, like, calm as you like, Virgil van Dijk. Uh, but we played the Arsenal and he believed his own hype. And he, he just took a little bit too long on the ball there. And, yeah, that, that, that kind of ruined it for us. And then the second half, like, like, like Arsenal came back into it more. And uh, I thought Minamino looked pretty good when he came on, and um, and and Kato was looking pretty good too. But but the one thing I really want to say is uh, I think actually Fabinho, he, he was the man to me who who looked like he really gave a shit on the pitch today. Um, every everyone mm. else everyone else was a little bit calm, maybe a little bit lackadaisical and stuff. But if you see the two goals that the Arsenal scored on both times, like Fabinho is right there, he's, he's the man on the replay, and he looks absolutely devastated when the goals go in. Uh, and and I think I just want to praise Fabinho and say like he he he's got the real passion and and he wants to be there today, even though we lost. I'm focusing on the positives, and yeah, Fabinho, he, he he really looked like he cared today. He absolutely did, and Rory, I'm going to come to you first on that one. We'll talk about Fabinho because you know, um, as much as you know, I've been like we're champions and everything. I think Fabinho for me has been the, the most consistent performer, even when we got an absolute tonking from, say, you know, um. Man City or whatever. I think, you know, with Jordan Henderson being out, I, I feel like, you know, a lot of people have been quite uncertain. But for me, I think what Fabinho offers just in that defensive role and also the way he kind of takes the ball and, you know, he, he's got that vision. I mean, 
to, to find the player, to pick a pass. He's absolutely incredible. I mean, what did you make of his performance today? Because although, and this is another thing that pisses me off as well, we played really well. And, you know, to touch on uh, Nick's point, I thought we, we played really well. Our, our team was pretty decent. You know, I was quite happy with the team in general. Um, but for me, uh, I think when you have a player like Fabinho in in that midfield, I always say games are won and lost in the midfield. And for me, Fabinho is like the, the sure thing right there. Yeah, I mean, he since since the restart, he's been our best player, probably along with Cater. Um, and it was, you know, that. slightly concerning early in the season when he came back from that injury, because I know he's not really had a, a serious injury before, but he was so slow and so, so off the pace, which isn't like him at all. And then since then, especially in the Palace game, um, he just wins the ball back in such amazing ways and then uses the ball so effectively. I agree he did show up tonight. He was a little bit loose at times um, with his passing. But, I mean, the whole team was, in fairness. I'd say Mane as well, if we're going to say, you know, um, point someone out, you know, turning up. Mane was on it from, from the first minute and didn't deserve to be on the losing team at all. Um, but, yeah, I'd say Fabinho... I'm not sure how commanding, how vocal he is, but he just sets a, a precedent, you know, because he, he just leads with his performances. Um, I love him, you know, when we've got a strong defensive unit, I think he's a crucial, crucial part as to why. I think he is not quite as important as signing maybe as Van Dyke and Alison were, but he's not that far off it. Um, we haven't had a, a strong six what since Mascarano? So it's it's been yeah. a long time coming. A so, decade, nearly. Yeah. yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, and he has made such a difference. But like you said, he's not just he's not just a tackler. He's not just you know uh, a ball winner. Or, you know, he he really is great with the ball. Really good vision. Obviously, set up Robbo in the last game. Um, and he just yeah, he, he, when he gets on the ball in the right positions, when we really dominate possession, he's such a dangerous player because he just spreads the ball so comfortably. Mm. Always has time. Um, yeah, he's a great player. It's just a shame. Yeah, you know, more of his good work because he did do a lot of good work in the opening 20, 30 minutes. And I think a lot of the players did. It just got undone by, you know, as I said, two horrific mistakes. And then it's really hard to bounce back when you haven't got your rhythm. So, yeah, weird game. But he did do well. He did do well. And Hakeem there, I mean, we've got the chat going here and Hakeem just said notable that Fab was written off in his first game versus Arsenal. I do remember that. You know, people think, oh, no, nah, he doesn't fit that system, doesn't fit that midfield, you know, get him out, get him out. And he's to blame for their goals and things. I remember that. I can't exactly remember the score, but, you know, people were putting him at, at blame for, for um, the goals that we conceded. I will come to Tadiva. Tadiva, talk to me about... Um, Fabinho and what did you make of him today? I mean, we are going to, first of all, we are going to start the pod, pod on a positive note. We're going to focus on the positives. And that for me, and with Rory there, I thought he played really well. And I thought Sadio Mane didn't, you know, he didn't drop. Yeah, I have to agree with, with both those points. I think when it comes to Fabinho, he cleans up so well and he doesn't allow the other teams to start their attack. The only way you can start your attack really is by going over the top. And the chances are either our center backs are going to run you down or they're going to head the ball clear. And Fabinho is a massive part of that. And you can see. You know what I've noticed as well, Tadiba? Um, mm. You know, when he has the ball, he commands like respect and authority. And I've noticed that players don't like going anywhere near him. 
it's almost yeah. like they, they shit themselves every time they're near him. I think the biggest indication for that was uh, when we played City, I can't remember if it was this season or last season, but he came onto the pitch and clearly the instructions to City were to press whoever was playing in Fabinho's position uh, prior to him coming on. And then when he came on, I guess, um, I think it was Bernardo Silva just assumed that, okay, because he's playing the same position, I still have to press him. And he sprinted up to press him and Fabinho just sort of, did a one to, to skip past him and Pep absolutely lost it on the touchline. You could see him screaming at him like, don't press him, not him. Um, so if Pep Guardiola knows your press resistance and you have so much confidence on the ball, it, it you know, what, what chance do other players have to try and press him? So I, I'm always comfortable when he has the ball at his feet. Um, and then in terms of the, the defensive stuff, he was making sure that Arsenal weren't really a threat. Uh, they didn't even get near our goal if it wasn't for us. So it's always good to have him there. And then it's just whether or not we can we can do the business up front, which unfortunately we couldn't do. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll come back to Nick now. Nick, you've you've heard the panel, and we kind of share your positivity. I think we overall just absolutely love Fabinho. I think he is he's part of the spine. He is the first name that you look for in the midfield, and. Um, I'll, I'll let you have the final say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can only just agree with everyone else, really. I think he has to be, you know, the, the midfield is Fabinho plus two. And uh, and that's the case. Um, can, I, um, can I have yeah. a word on my favourite player? Is it Fabinho? Yeah, I've been, uh, I've, been, well, I've, been, I've been mouthing off about Fabinho since the start of last season and no one was listening at the start. Well, I think every um, yeah. I thought it was one of his weakest weakest games at the start of oh. the game. I thought oh. it was yeah, I thought he was uh, thought he was giving it away really cheaply and um, a couple of passes were really poor. Luckily we didn't get it didn't cost us like the uh, Verge and the and the Allison problem uh, issue. There was a break on there. They didn't get a shot from it, I don't think, but it was um it wasn't good to see. So there was a bit of a you know, a bit of a shake in that bit straight after we scored. And it affected everybody apart from Gomez, I thought. I thought um, if there's a couple of players that come out of praise in this game, um, the, Joe Gomez should be one of them. Absolutely fucking ice cool mm-hmm. today. Absolutely Especially ice cool. Especially the criticism he's been getting as well, right? Yeah, yeah, in certain mm-hmm. places today. So ice cool. It was unbelievable. It was better than VVD today, I mm-hmm. thought. And um, mm-hmm. just holding the ball and everything... It was a it was a pleasure to watch him at the. Well, he played a lovely ball as well, didn't he? To Sadio Mane in the first half, I think. No, he was doing it. He was running yeah. past players. He was charging into midfield, playing the ball, playing vertical passes. He was he was doing everything today. I thought it was what I picked out of it more than Fab was him really in that back five. Mm. I think he had a, a point to prove. You know, um, it felt like Absolutely. that a little bit because he's not a particularly confident or outspoken kind of player, and obviously, I think he's pretty savvy with what's going on media-wise, social media-wise. So I think maybe he just had a point to prove. And, yeah, unless, I agree. He's the, unless he's doing the free kick challenge, then he's fucking, he's proper talking <laughs> shit to me. <laughs> talking yeah. shit to everyone, you know, and putting it there, putting it there. Nah, he's, uh, yeah, it was nice to see him do well, but in the grand scheme, I think it's, it's small, small victories that really. Um, for the team after the, 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 the howlers at the back, but 
Yeah, thankfully it wasn't Fabinho who made those errors, um, mm. Nick, because had, had it been Fabinho, he would have been mm. strung up today. <laughs> yeah. like, really, really, no, I'm not even kidding. It's it's the truth. They, no, they, no, there's no, a no. proper backlash against players like Fab when they make a mistake. And, you know, um, they're very quick to jump on. We miss certain players. And, mm. you know, VVD and Alisson are untouchable. They won't, they won't get an absolute jot of uh, criticism for the errors they make because of the difference they've made to the team. So if you're going to make an, if, if a player is going to make an error, if them to make them very rare, obviously that mm. they do, you know, they're going to get over it and the fans are going to get over it fast as well. See, but, I um, think, I th- yeah, I think with Fabinho, the thing was, is not necessarily that he had an amazing game, but his passion in, in like, you just see him in the replays when the goals went in and he oh, looked so frustrated. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 he's vexed. He looked yeah. so angry, the fact that we considered a goal. And that that's what, that's what I'm drawing on is the fact that he just, you know, he really feels it if, if other people are a little bit. Can I just say, we need <laughs> to stop doing stupid throw-ins as well. Like, they did one against City, didn't we, with, with Trent? and. That led to a bad, big chance, and then this one, Robbo to 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 Allison. Like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Oh uh, yeah. And then, and then they had. Throwing, a re- so we still can't get them right. You know? It's gone to shit, Rory. Yeah. And, and they had a, they had a really good throwing as well, didn't they? Where they threw it down the line and it was just flicked on. It was like, ah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which just to go loose. back on that, I've um, never seen this Liverpool side play so loose in the last two years. Do you know what I mean? They never would have. You know, I know it's probably because we've got to that position and and, and won the trophy in, in such a you know weird kind of way in terms of the long break and everything else. But I've never seen them look. I don't know. So maybe arrogant might not be the right word, but they're certainly not playing. They're just turning up and maybe complacent, loose, yeah, complacent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Complacent's a good word for it. Uh, you know, Van Dijk's had his moments because he obviously knows how good he is, but it's extremely rare that he'll ever get caught out because he's obviously so good. But, um, you know, I've never seen Alisson really misplace a pass in God knows how long, you know? That first one <laughs> that he did right at the start of his career? Was it Leicester? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was. Other, was other than that, other yeah. than that, maybe? I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's such a rare flawless. thing. Flawless. Oh, it's just, I mean, we almost caught them out with one of, off their keeper in the first 10 minutes, didn't we? But um, after that, it's just, yeah, it was a crazy game. Um, I've never seen, as of those two ever made a mistake like that in a game before? Like, you know, maybe not been punished. I, I don't think ever before. So, yeah. yeah, it's something else. But does it not speak to the fact that not, Fabinho, um, I think Nick was mentioning the fact that Fabinho was pretty much the only one getting angry and stuff. Well, Fabinho is the only one besides James Milner that's actually won a league title before this. So he's been there and seen it. Everyone in this entire team, this is a brand new experience for them. Um, You know, in terms of winning a league title, yes, we can talk about the Champions Leagues and that stuff, but they've never won the league title. More so in a team like Liverpool that hasn't won a league title in 30 years. It's like no one knows what to do now. No, I think Tadiva, the biggest thing is, and I think no one's saying it enough, winning the league title in a pandemic with no fans is literally, has literally got to be the most demoralising thing. For I was, you know what, that because was going to be, day, that was gonna be one of my fans would drive you going champion, yeah. champion. You know, imagine, yeah. just imagine it in your head, the goosebumps when you hear the cop or the travelling cop sing it. I, I get, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. I can't wait to hear it. 
Because those type of things are massive, man. And people people don't accept it. And it's a horrible excuse to make for a team that there's no fans. But It's not, though. But Liverpool really do rely on their fans. Like, I'm not being funny. That game against Burnley, when we, you know, when we when they kind of equalised, you know a packed Anfield would have been singing, screaming, cheering on that team. And you um, know you'd get some kind of response. I think this team is... That's the difference. That's the difference between a pep team and a clock team. Because a pep team is ruthless as fuck in that position. And yeah. you know, not now, but that hundred point game team, you know, seventeen eighteen, ruthless as fuck in that position and go on to get hundred points. Whereas, you know, where we we do rely on on that on that adrenaline rush a little, I think. I th- I think fans would keep players honest as well you know what I mean I don't think you'd see players being so casual with with fans you know in, in the ground and stuff it's it's weird watching it on TV because it's like watching a training you know it's, it's you know training exercise isn't it so it's, mm. it's weird to really get your head around it and Madness. you're right the, the players you don't know how they're feeling you know it's, it's, it's hard to kind of get into their head yeah because they've waited so long for the title it was all but one and then this huge long break and then they finally got it over the line and then their heads have just kind of on somewhere else it feels like you know um, but does that not does that not then bring into question also Klopp's management since we've won the title because if like the team sheet today I don't know what people thought of the team sheet today but I thought it was so boring because like not many of these guys have much to play for and I know everyone talks about oh they they're playing for getting the most points or whatever since we've won the league, no one's played like like we haven't played like that. So I I I I think it's one of those. If we yeah. get it cool, it wasn't something that was determined and and we were fighting for it. it they just never showed it on the pitch. In that I situation, think, yeah, I'd rather deeper. have like the Minaminos and stuff starting because they've got I, something to play for. I was going to say uh, I knew Creek Keen was going to talk about this later. So shall we save okay. that discussion for later? It's okay. all right. It's all right. We've been going off tangent. So Nin, I'll shut up. Off you go. Okay. Joining us next. Um, first of all, Nick, thank you so much for your call. I think you had one more point, but... Sorry. Yeah, can I just say one more thing? I'm not, I'm not going to I'm not gonna talk about lineups. I just wanted to say... Um, I just want to refer back, actually, to Harry Sethi and his um, Rival Recon pod. And it was really interesting to hear in that that the... Um, the Arsenal fan then talks about Arteta and how he didn't want to just become uh, like a tiki-taka Barcelona light, but he's bringing his sort of defensive nous as well from having played with Everton and this kind of thing in his past. And I thought that was really evident today, you know. Arsenal, you know, love it and hate it or whatever, but they they did what they had to do. They They... You know, they scored on the break, they capitalised on a couple of our mistakes, and apart from that, they defended really, really well. And that's not what you would expect to see from an Arsenal team from 10 years ago. So I think Arteta has, has brought that in, and um, thanks to the rival recon pod for sort of highlighting that, basically. Uh, yeah, um, I think Arsenal as a team and as a defence just always make me laugh. I think we are the best team to play right now. We've literally got nothing to... I don't know what is going on with us. It's like we've got nothing to play for. I, you know, I don't even think our front three... I mean, we, sp- we spoke about Sadio Mane, but, like, for me, if we had something to play for, we were, some, we were chasing something or there was something on the line, 
I feel like we would be so much more cutthroat and I feel like we'd absolutely destroy that team to shit. Mm. They would play into our hands because the the way they were playing out the back, we were pressing them. It it, mm. it was almost like, you know, like a big lion playing with its, you know, playing with its, uh, with its meal um, earlier on when we were pressing them. And then obviously the mistakes happened. But I think this Arsenal team is very close to where we were in 13-14 the season where they've got an insane attack, a lot of attacking players. Their defense is woeful. Um, if they can just embrace that for now, because clearly it doesn't look like they're signing any centre-backs or any world-class centre-backs at the moment. If they just embrace that where as soon as we take the lead in games, we sit back and we just counter people with pace, they'll be a lot more successful than maybe trying to do the possession-style football when they're already ahead because that's when the mistakes come in. Just sit back and hit people on the counter and, and they could be quite devastating. Absolutely. Well, Nick, thank you so much for your call. Yeah, cheers. Thank you. All right, speak to you later. Bye-bye. Take care, Nick. Okay, so that was Nick Turner. We're going to join our second caller, a familiar voice. Um, it's an honour to have back Steve Pizza. Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, Nina. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm all right, you know. Good being champions, but shit-hosting a loss. You know, it it is, and I just sat through a three point six uh, earthquake uh, a couple of seconds ago as you were about to uh, to team me up to come on. Oh damn! You know what? <laughs> if that, that that would have been a sense of actuality. How the fans around the globe, you know, just watch felt, the game, just, talk about the game, echoing through the earth towards me in Panama. <laughs> I remember once I felt a little earthquake, you know, the first thing I did, I grabbed the television, my priorities were set, holding it up. <laughs> it's fine, it's, my, 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 my daughter sat next to me, noticed the whole building started shaking. Wow. But uh, that, that was kind of, uh, basically, those are the defensive errors coming through, I guess, right? You know, it's like, <laughs> it, you get an earthquake plus Allison plus VVD making a making uh, schoolboy errors like they did. You as know? long as you're all safe, mate, that's the main thing over there. We're, we're all fine. We're all fine. It was only 3.6, guys. Steve, my priority to didn't even ask about that. Steve, I hope you're well. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because you, you, you guys are saying, are you going to call in? And Mrs. called me up and said, hey, can you uh, order dinner? You know? So I was like, oh, God. I was having to multitask here, and now we get an earthquake too. But no, I um, thanks for having me on, Nina. And I just want to... Um, pick up on, on, on something that Rory mentioned and, and something you guys just talked about. Just want to talk about like the mentality of the team and about something that um, something uh, someone said to me after the City defeat. And it's like Gags was saying, you know, after you know, 30 years of not winning the title, but also the mental strength these guys have had to show, the amount of concentration, the tight games we've had, you know, we've talked about that uh, all, all season on, on AI. The UP guys have, have, have analysed that and, and what have you. But at the end of the day, they've been under incredible mental stress. And is it that surprising that you get, you know, what we saw today with, with um, when you basically sucker punch yourself uh, and basically lose the game? And, and I think, you know, we have to, you know, for, for all of the, the plaudits that the city side, you know, got getting a hundred points. We have to realize what it took to beat that. And then when you slip down, it's a big shot. And I, and I think 
you know, just sort of trying to sit back and, and take that into context of the season, you know, at least, you know, at least we know that Virgil's human, you know, um, uh, even though I think it was umbilical boy on Discord, he was saying that he, he was a little bit entitled when he got the foul, he thought he had the foul and that's, that's not really hunger. That's, that's a bit, a bit cockiness from the fact that we played so well for the first, what, 20, 25 minutes of that game, you know? Uh, so I think we've got to bear that in mind as, as, as we look back over the season. But I had a question for you guys, uh, for, 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 for everyone on the, on the panel, which is, you know, do we think that Klopp made a mistake starting Ox tonight? Um, you know, was he going to be trying too hard? Was it a bit, uh, uh, you know, he hasn't really, as we were talking in Discord before the game, he's not really set uh, a very high standard this season. Uh, compared to when you know you sort of see the energy that Naby brought, so that's my question: Did Klopp make a tactical mistake by by going for Ox and 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 and, and not not a different midfield tonight? Excellent question, Steve. I will come to Rory first on this one. Rory, talk to me about this because I think you know I think not many people are complaining or whinging about the starting line. For a lot of people saying Ox, and then there's laughs at how he's going to get a guard of honor at the Emirates. You know, hilarious. He did play. I think Jurgen Klopp's just trying to bring him up to some kind of fitness for next season because obviously we know when the season starts. And for me, um, I wasn't too asked about him playing because I thought he might actually score a wonder goal. Um, I will agree with Steve. I don't think he played particularly well. Um, I wouldn't say he was bad. I thought off the ball he looked okay. It was more on the ball for me that was an issue. But I don't think that's form. I think it's just... I think it's just the player trying to find his fitness or trying to find his rhythm again because he was he was so vital for us in that Champions League um, campaign when we made it to the final. Um, and then, of course, he picked up that injury. And, you know, it's it's been a bit downhill for him. So I want to get your thoughts. I mean, do, do you think it was a, a right move from Klopp? I mean, in hindsight, I'm, I'm not too asked about it. I suppose if you're going to experiment and play players, now would be the time to do it. Yeah, I get that. I, I would have started Cater um, mm. on form as much as anything else because I think when you saw him come on, it's probably the most confident he's looked in a Liverpool shirt in the last little while. I mean, you know, maybe he's had he's had other spells as well, but he just he just knows he's good right now. I, I don't know if that, and I, I'm not saying he's being arrogant or anything. He just he looks like. It's the sharpest he's been. Cool, isn't he? Like he knows that he's fit and his body. What? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, th- I think he's trusting his body a little bit more, which is is kind of what took Ox so long to get back up to speed. Obviously, um, such a horrific injury. Um, I mean, you know, if that was ten years ago, maybe twenty years ago, he probably wouldn't be playing anymore. Um, you know, the surgery and, and the kind of uh, things they do nowadays is, is is much more advanced. I think there's other questions around Ox. I can talk about his form a little bit. He's certainly forcing it way too much um i think off the ball as you said he's still working really hard i think when he gets the ball he's trying to make magic happen and i think that's that's part of him trying to rediscover his form um that's part of him trying to make sure he's in the manager's plans because i think he knows i think when first choice 11 are fit he's probably on the bench um and there's probably frustration around there for amount of football he's missed, you know, and that kind of thing. It's tricky. I think the other other factor is, does he ever has he ever really played that well for us? He did for the Atletico Madrid game. We we had you know all of the ball at home and just he was he was really good. That's the best he's played 
since he's, he's come back. Um, did he score some wonder goals for us this season, or am I imagining it? Because this yeah, pandemic has really in, thrown he, me off. He did in early Champions League games, if I'm right in thinking, mm. and maybe in the League Cup or the FA Cup, I can't remember. But mm. I, I think, and, and so he's still got that threat, you know, if he's in the right position on the pitch. I just think the way we play now is a little bit different to that kind of cut and thrust, you know, soak up pressure and then counter at pace. I think teams are a lot less open against us now than they were in the past um, because we're obviously much more of a force, um, which makes it hard for a player like Ox because I think he, he, he thrives when there's space on the pitch to run into. But teams are, are lining up against us so deep that I think you need someone like Cater who can, you know, better touch, better composure, uh, can see the pass, can, pay, can play that pass. You know, I, I think that's the kind of player that we need right now in the way we play and I, I just wonder where that leaves Ox moving forward and that's just a general debate we've you know I've been having with people a little bit I, I'm sure there's still a role for him there but because he keeps coming into the front three occasionally in midfield he's kind of slotted into this kind of utility player rather than a starting role and it, I just wonder what that means for him you know going forward yeah, he has played some strange roles. I think uh, Jurgen Klopp used him as a right attacker as well, on the right side as well. And, you know, um, I don't think he had the best of games against Brighton as well. I mean, Tadeva, you've, you've heard the, um, you've heard the uh, argument for Naby Keita from, from Rory, Rory there. Um, uh, I want to get your thoughts. What do you make of it? I mean, Naby Keita is a player in form. Uh, he looked so confident when he came on. Do, do you think in hindsight, it was wrong of Klopp to maybe start Ox? I definitely would have started Cater. Um, whether it was for Ox, I think that could be debated. I, I would have started him for Genie. Um, as I said, just because I thought the, the lineup was so boring. Um, I think the, the thing for Ox is he's starting to fall into that thing that he was at Arsenal before he left, which is he can play pretty much anywhere. You could even play him right back and he would put in a shift. But then you start becoming a utility man and you do start getting thrown anywhere, any, anywhere and you never really nail down a position. Um, I think his best position is in that midfield area. As has been mentioned, the, the, the ideal games for him are when it's sort of like a tennis match where the game is back and forth. Both teams are driving through midfield. But it seemed like Arsenal were definitely bypassing their midfield. They were trying to get it up top to the to the, to the guys up front as quickly as possible, which meant they didn't have that much support going forward. So anytime we were counter-attacking or once we got the ball off them, or majority of their players were already back defending and Ox prefers to run at players that are trying to get back into position opposed to players that are already back in position and, and waiting for him to come at them. Um, I think though... Did, did you today as well notice that in the first half, certainly there was a lot of room in that midfield, like there was a big space between their midfield and, and their defence, which would have been like, you know, in hindsight, maybe that's where Naby Keita is in full effect because he can actually just dribble in. Yeah, and and what he, what Naby would then do is he draws out their players even more because they're forced to come and close him down and that's where the spaces open up. And Ox didn't seem to do that too much in this game. I think he was more interested in scoring a goal than anything else. You could see a few times where he got the ball. He was trying to find space to line up a shot, whereas in, in other games, maybe he would have been looking for a pass. So, look, it, it's... 
it's obviously easier to say it in hindsight, but I, I at the beginning thought it was a really boring lineup. And in terms of this game, Ox definitely was trying to prove a point. I think it's similar to when we saw Gomez versus Sterling, where there was some sort of like mental battle that Gomez was having and trying to prove a point there. I think we saw something similar with Ox in this game. Interesting. I'll come back to Steve. Um, I know he's got all the food and stuff, so I'll let him have the final say. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Nina. Yeah, I mean, I agree with the panel and, and especially, you know, just what Tadi was saying. I think it was what Tadi was saying was in, with, with Ox going for glory uh, a little bit. I, I just felt that that was going to be in his mind. It would have been mine. I mean, you go back to a club where you'd, you know, maybe not given the chances you'd wanted whether you had something to prove, you know, a little bit back, um, you're getting the, you know, the uh, the, the parade in as as everybody's uh, doing that, and uh, that that's a real a real, I think it's a head turner uh, for, for for players going into that situation. Um, uh, so, and I think you know, Naby needs a run of games. The difference when he came on was absolutely, you know, it was a big change. And I, I think personally, if Klopp had made a mistake by putting Ox in, I think he could with five subs have changed that earlier. And especially when we'd started so well and, you know, you just need maybe somebody new to come on and say, Hey, look guys, you know, we've got to pick it up here. You've made those two bad errors. Let's switch it off. You know, let's switch it up rather than not, let's not drop off here. And I think the energy at the start of the second half was, uh, was, was definitely, not there, so you know you get a different option if you put a player like Naby on, and uh, I think it's there's a lot of people who who probably would have wanted to see him get a get a, a, a run of games, you know. But uh, uh, thanks for having is me. Here. It's, 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 it's all right. It's not pizzas, right? But I do have to open the door, otherwise well, my family won't eat. Okay. Uh, yeah. Gracias, gracias, porfa. Gracias, muy amable. Gracias, jefe. Okay. <laughs> I'm just it's jealous like, now of what that's class, man. We're stuck here at 11 o'clock. No, but you said happy. I thought of power. Oh my god, Nina. <laughs> I'm, I'm, well, I'm on my summer holidays. I'm on my summer vacation. I'm out at the beach. But no pizza now. Oh, you like the Liverpool squad? Well done, mate. Oh, good. Something in common. Yeah, absolutely. Fish, fish, exactly. Fish with garlic. Can't beat it. Okay, thanks for having me on, guys. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Steve. Ciao. Okay, so that was Steve Pizza. We're going to move on to our third caller. Quite excited. I've not spoken to to this caller in quite some time. Um, I'm really intrigued. Um, I think Gags gave a spoiler away there. It is um, an honour to have back on. Hakeem, Hakeem, welcome back to the show. Uh, thanks for having me on, Nina. It's, it's great to have you on. Just wanted to let you know, during halftime, we were all doing our push-ups and our bench presses. We are in great shape, you know, <laughs> keeping up with, uh, you the know. Best, the, the best AI shot model in history. <laughs> I know, oh, man. man. I'm going to hire him. <laughs> well, I'm I'm not in good shape at all. These these few months have been bad on me. So I, I hear we all need to brace ourselves for this one, mate. Go on then. No, 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 no. We don't need to brace ourselves. So let me preface this by saying it's amazing that we've won the the Premier League title. You know, our first first league title after 30 years. It's amazing what the lads did last season, winning the Champions League. Halfway through this season, winning the the club. 
uh, the club, the club champion, whatever. Club World right? Cup. But, yes, the Club World Cup. But we do have to take a step back and and let me be clear: it is okay to have multiple opinions and 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 think two things are valid at the same time. But I just feel like the team needs a new evolution, and. For all the people that are saying, "Oh, we won the league," the top reds, as we'll as we'll call them, they want to say, "Oh, we won the league, so nothing matters right now." Clearly, it does matter because I'm sure the players are upset about their performances after winning the the, the league title. Even though Klopp has said, you know, no one can take the title away from the players. Still, I'm sure as a professional, you want to win every single game, and it just doesn't seem like that that drive is there for the guys at the moment. What are your thoughts? Oh, Tadiva, I'll come to you first on this one. What do you make of that? I mean, do you think, I mean, there's, it's really hard to take this period of this restart of football in, in any kind of context because, you know, for the things mentioned, there's no fans, uh, you know, the, the long period of no football coming back into it. The first time ever Liverpool have been champions. Um, I think Steve Pizza mentioned it as well. Like maybe complacency is creeping into some of these players. I mean, you don't see Virgil van Dijk and Alisson make those mistakes as Rory mentioned previously as well on the podcast. I mean, do, do you think, I know like the funding doesn't look great at, um, at, at Liverpool right now. Um, do, do you think maybe uh, Jurgen Klopp needs to kind of use some kind of scare tactic or, you know, something like I'm going to recruit or reinvest, you know, keep these players on their toes. I mean, what do you think it is? It's it's going to be the most fascinating topic, I think, going through the summer. Um, as, as we mentioned earlier on, not many of these players, in fact, only two of our players in our squad have, have won a league title before this. And that was Fabinho and James Milner. So all of these guys, it's a brand new experience for them. And also it's a brand new experience. Well, not brand new, brand new, but in the modern era in inverted commas, it's a brand new experience for the club. So everything was driven towards this. Every goal that we made, every transfer that we made, every sponsorship deal that we made, everything that the club did, all the fa- you know, all the fans going to games. Everything was driven towards when are we going to get that Premier League title again or that English League title again, however you want to phrase it. That's where everything was spearheading to. Now that you've gotten it, what what do we do now? It's about being able to now redirect the club and say, and it you know it's easy to say oh you know we want to go win it again. We want to yes, those are all the right things to to say. But how do you then refocus everyone to go and achieve that? And, you know, there's, I think um, there's always that discussion of, for example, the, can Jurgen Klopp do what Man City, I mean, can Jurgen Klopp do at Man City what Pep did or can Pep do what Jurgen Klopp did at at Liverpool? And I'm sure there might be a a podcast later on on this um, one of these days. But just to touch on that a little bit, I think it's it, it's always brushed off as oh you know um, Klopp could definitely go and do what what Pep did if if he had the money that Pep did and 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 just go into that city side, but if you look at the city side, they buy champions like majority of their team come in already champions come in as already world class established players. 
to manage that group of players is a completely different thing than managing, you know, young up and coming players or players that are on the brink of becoming world class. And the players that are world champions that go, go into seasons expecting to win the league every single season, that mentality probably helps a lot better to go and regain a title. Trying to motivate maybe a Robertson to go and do it again is completely different and it's going to have to be done in a completely different way because it's not the norm. We may, we may wish it was the norm. We may hope that it becomes the norm for Liverpool, but the reality of the situation is for none of our players except for James Milner, this is not the norm, winning trophies um, year in, year out. It's, it's completely foreign. And I'm including Fabinho in this and saying it's foreign because he only won one title with Monaco. He didn't win back-to-back or anything like that. So this is brand new for every single player that is currently at Liverpool Football Club except for James Milner. That's a massive mentality change that's going to have to take place. And, you know, we, 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 it's easy to do it on, you know, just looking at it from like a FIFA perspective or looking at it from, um, from the fans perspective and not taking the human element of these players. These players are humans. Um, Steve P and I think Nick earlier, and I think a lot of the people that I've spoken have brought up the fact that, um, the pressure that was going on with trying to get that elusive title for Liverpool. Finally, that weight's been lifted. Whew, these players can finally breathe. They, the last two years, they haven't had a competitive game that didn't mean anything. Every single game meant anything. Every, every single game meant something. Either they were chasing a cup or they were chasing a league. There was no gimme games for, for, for these players. So now that that's gone, how do you then re, reinvent the wheel? How do you then um, motivate them to do it again. That's going to be Klopp's biggest task. And you can see it's starting to dawn on Klopp now because as much as, you know, we, we can joke and laugh about these games. If you play, if you play sport or you ask any of these players, um, or any professional that plays a, a sport or anything like that, once you get into this rhythm of, you know, slacking a bit in games, getting a little bit complacent, it's funny at the beginning. But it's very, very difficult to kick that habit. And it's going to creep in and then you're screwed because then it's going to be a mountain to try and get over it. I think it needs to be stamped out really quickly. Um, we've had our fun in games. Okay, yeah, um, no, it was fine. It was just one loss. Oh, the, the trophy's won. But the danger is that this team goes into next season without any momentum, with the still you know, they're still lagging. God forbid this then goes into next season. Then we're like, oh no, it's just the first game of the season. They'll pick it up again. Oh no, it's just the second game of this. And then it becomes a habit. And then you're screwed. Then the title, you know, you can't win the title at the beginning, but you can certainly lose it. So these are the small things that Klopp, I think, needs to stamp out right now and make sure that this team gets refocused. One of the ways he could do that is bringing in a person like Thiago. I know that, you know, fans aren't, aren't, readily available this this season with the pandemic but i always thought a way to re um, vigor this team is either by the team sheets that he was putting in now put in all the youngsters put in all the subs um the players that are on the bench and mix them with the starting 11 players so that they get experience playing with the starting players they get ex- they they then drive the 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 starting players 
in these games, the games when they're slacking, you'll see like a Minamino chasing the ball down. You'll see a Jones chasing the ball down. You'll see a Nico Williams busting his guy because he knows he's fighting for something. He's fighting for next season to be in the team. And that that would then help you see out these games. Or if you're not going to do that, then you have to do it by bringing in a player that's going to shake up everyone to say, okay, this guy has been there and done it all. You know, he was at Barcelona. He was at Bayern Munich. Massive clubs. I and wonder you're... who you're talking about, dude. Sorry? I wonder who you're talking about. Tiago. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not scared. I'll, I'll, I'll name him. I'll name him. Tiago, my boy. Um, I think we need a, a minefield, minefield, minefield podcast on this, you know? Um, oh, yeah. Like, you know, from, from Vince and, uh, and, uh, and, you know, uh, Andrew and, um, oh, God. Vince. Yeah, 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 definitely. We need it because I think that it's a really good point to see in sports teams or in psychology what happens. I think it's it's a really important, really important subject, actually. Especially a team that hasn't done it. Yeah. Two players out of how many in the entire club? Van Dyke's won a league. Van Dyke's won a league before. Yeah. Oh, with Celtic. Celtic, yeah. Ginny's won one as well, folks. We're forgetting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. PSV? The, the, and yeah, and yeah. they won the Champions League last season. I think you've got to put that into context as well because yeah, yeah. it's not like they've not won titles and and cups, you know. And I, and I get where you're coming from completely with it. It's, it's difficult to reinvigorate a squad and get them all focused again. I think the more I'm talking about this or listening, listening to you guys talk so well about this, it, it kind of, you know, I, I think you've got to put it in perspective. Um, these players would never normally dip to these kind of levels. I mean, when do world-class players really drop off to that extent? Uh, when has Allison ever really made a mistake in the last two years? You know, Van Dijk got caught out with a similar one with it against Madrid in the first leg where he got fouled or he thought he was fouled, I'm not sure, and then kind of threw his arms up and then we, we got stung. Um, but it's extremely rare for him. There's obviously been some shade thrown at Gomez unnecessarily in the last few weeks. He's been as consistent as anyone um, most of the season. Um, I think my main concern and my main issue on it is just the lack of options in the squad. Uh, Minamino finally got more than 10 minutes um, today. And I know he's got a bulk up and there's quite a lot of work to do, but he was really bright when he came yeah. on. His movement's great. I think... If it's if it's him to give Bobby competition, then then that's great. But he certainly needs someone to give him competition because, you know, we we can't just have three options all season because as great as they all are, um, and they're fantastic players, you know, you you know, you can't maintain the level week in week out for 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 years and years and years. Like only Messi probably can do that. You Doesn't know, Rory, uh, that Minamino when he comes on is doing similar to Ox. To he's an extent, too hard. Yeah, certainly to an extent. It's because he's. I thought he was better today, and I think he probably should have had a pen today. To be honest, um, if he'd actually gone down, which we, I mean, we're never going to win another penalty for the next two years. To be honest, the way it's going, but um, I, I mean, I think... even Martin Tyler said, "You're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't," because he could have gone down there. Yeah. you know. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, that's kind of a, a moot point at that point in the game anyway. It might have got us a draw, but all these kind of conversations would still be happening. Um, I think you're right, Gags. He's trying extremely hard. I think the problem is Klopp does need to rotate a little bit more and give players longer. Mm. You know, I mean, what's Firmino done really in, in the last 
few games to even warrant a start. I, I, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to just you know criticize him for criticizing's sake. He's obviously not in extremely good form. He's not, and I, and I know he creates and, and all that, but he's obviously missing quite clear chances. You know, at times this season. And if we're not going to bring in, obviously, Werner happened, didn't happen for whatever reason, you know, I'm sure you've discussed and will be discussed. Um, and if we're not going to bring in a, a kind of, you know, I mean, who's, who's the option on the bench? I mean, Amino and Origi, obviously Shaq is as good as sold probably this summer, you know. Um, so there's there's not really any competition there to to kind of, you know, give them a kick up the arse or they all know their position is pretty safe in the team. I think the only only place we rotate is what, midfield, occasionally at centre back. Um fullbacks we we have no real options, obviously, other than two lads who who have, you know, been pretty remarkably consistent, but even they'll have drops, you know, throughout the season. So I know we've not got a lot of money to spend and I know there's a lot of factors behind that. But if we can sell some players and do some good business you know, I think it needs to happen because you can't really go two seasons with what one signing and kind of hope to maintain a bit of freshness in the squad. You know, despite the the breaks and whatnot, it's been such a you know weird period. I don't think they they've not been on the beach in lockdown, have they? They've still been training and trying to keep as fit as possible. So I, th- I think none of these players have had a great rest, and there's been a lot of competitions in the summer months and and whatnot, and and we've still got obviously a year off from um, from the Afcon, but that's still kind of looming over our head for you know having a player to come and 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 do that job in in a year's time because obviously players on the clock take a while to to bed in and settle to the system. So I would want a signing or two this summer. Um, and and you know this is the kind of time that all our kind of key players are reaching those points in their careers where it can kind of go either way. I mean, you know, if you if you listen to some people, our front three are kind of past the age of their peak. I, I mean, I don't think Mane is. Salah's obviously still performing at that level, but maybe Bobby is going to have a drop off. Maybe he's going to be less. You know, um, I don't know. Maybe you become more of a player off the bench and. and you know, maybe you play deeper in a, in a different role or, or whatnot, whichever way we evolve going forward. The one thing I would say on that, and I've kind of meaning to get round to this point, is Klopp does tend to evolve his system as we go. I mean, obviously our fullbacks create an awful lot. Our midfield is there to be functional and, and they're obviously extremely diligent and work extremely hard and snuff out attacks and, and obviously provide space for our fullbacks and our front three to exploit. But I would like. Tiago or a player of that ilk to come into the squad because as as much as I love Naby Keita it's obviously been fleeting glimpses at times and I think someone like Tiago can just make time space and and can just control the tempo of a game and and it's just you know he comes in with that experience having won everything at Barcelona and Bayern Munich I mean he must have won seven or eight titles at this point in his career nine um, in a row nine in a row nice that's um, what you said, yeah. You know, and that's that's you know something like that would be would be big for us. You know, he, he's not a typical signing we would make in terms of the you know the model we've stuck to in his age and his injury profile. But you know, if you can use him in the right games in the right moment, I'd like to have players like that that you can play in the right moments of games or in the right games, maybe not week in week out, and just kind of pick and choose when it's best to fit them in the in the team. Because I think at the minute we're just playing the 
the regular 11 and hoping it will always work. And it generally has done, but you can't expect it to. Other teams will get stronger and will adapt to the way we're playing. We'll nullify our fullback. You know, we've seen it a few times this year. So we are going to need to keep changing our system, just tweaking it and just evolving a little bit. And I think you can sometimes only do that by bringing in a player or two. So, I've got a nice one, Rory. I've got a quick question for you all. I'm going to go to Keem first. He's asked the question about evolving and, you know, uh, Rory just mentioned Cater as well. At the end of the day, right, we have to say, why has why has Naby not started the last two games? That's got to be a question we ask for sure. Um, because as soon as he comes on, there's something different about the team. The domination in the last 20, 25 minutes in that game was unbelievable. They could not get out of the half. They were shit scared of the sprinting, the running at them, the direct movement. You know, it's you give a player a chance in 90 minutes, they have to force it in the last 20, 30 minutes. To, and, and also, you're playing a literal back 12, you know. It's, add the referee in there. There's another body in there to get past, for fuck's sake. You know, it, people don't think about it like that, but it's... He's just standing there like a twat in the middle of the pitch. So, you know, what playing someone from the start is different. It's a whole different game. You're giving them the time to get into rhythm. Nakeem, first of you, you're talking about evolving a game. And you just said it in the group there, you know, in the chat there about, about Cater, not Cater. But say we don't sign anyone. Surely building a team. Because we haven't seen it. He seems to be okay. Why isn't he starting? Surely there's got to be an argument here somewhere to say, get one of your most talented midfielders, one of your most expensive midfielders, into that team as much as possible. And it will evolve because he is different to anything we've got. He'll drive from the middle. So, you know, if somebody wants to null out uh, flipping fullbacks, you've got an option in the middle that's creative. Keem, sorry? Oh, well, you you pretty much gave my point there, Gags. Honestly, beyond beyond adding uh, Nabi Keita in the middle, I really don't think we have much tactical evolution left in, 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 the, in the squad of players that we have, knowing that Klopp won't play quite a few of his options. Yes, we, uh, we can get something different if we play Shakiri. His injuries have cost him this season. Something different with Minamino if he plays in either one of the wide forward positions. Yes. Anything with Jones? If anything, I think Jones might turn out to what we think Ox could have been. You know, not just not just a a runner in in high transition games, but you know, bringing that little extra bit of you know arrogance and creativity in the middle. But he's still a young kid. We can't expect too much from him. I doubt Klopp is gonna throw him into the fray and he's going to be a starter or he's going to start even 40% of the games next season. So um, beyond the the few options that we know Klopp is going to pick all the time, I don't think there's much change that could happen. I hope it, I hope that it could. And I, I know I'm being all negative Nancy at the moment, but I, I do think we need a lot of investment this coming summer. And a lot doesn't mean five players, but, the quality of player that we need to come in, in in two two positions in particular, I, I think it's very important that we get those those two those two transfers right. If if that happens, but if it doesn't, it's looking a bit concerning 
for next season. And let me be clear, concerning. So words are important. I'm not going all crazy and saying, oh, this is this is this is a disaster, but I think it's something that we should all think about. No, I think you're absolutely spot on. The last thing you want to be is a one season wonder, right? You you don't you want to be constantly threatening being you it's fucking late. You wanna be two, two season wonder. Last year was ninety seven points. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, you kinda of, it's it's mad because I think Rory made the point earlier on in the pod as well. And I think Graham Suness keeps saying this. I don't know if he, I'm, I'm sure you guys watch, you know, the build up to the game. And, you know, he said about two games ago that, you know, this team has worked its bollocks off for two seasons nonstop in the league. And, you know, the, the, now they are kind of taking it a bit easy. And they asked him today, what, what, what how do you think Liverpool will, will fare? And he went, I don't know, because they're champions. You know, they'll say they're up for it and then they'll get on the pitch and you'll just see something completely different. I mean, today I thought they played really well, but I, I, it's, it's really hard for me to kind of judge anything based on the circumstances that are around us. I am really concerned if there's no evolution in the team because the one thing that you know about Jurgen Klopp is when he feels like he can't get anything else out or the transfer, um, the, the the transfer um committee or the board is failing him in some kind of way or he you know he, or he's breaking his players because he did that at Dortmund he doesn't you know like it is pretty much the beginning of the end for us we've got four seasons and I don't want him to have four seasons of disappointment does that make sense yeah yeah it does I think just you know from my point of view I just I'd hate to think that Klopp didn't have the funds available to him. And it's not necessarily this season. Obviously, we spent nothing last summer at all. Just to kind of maybe build on his kind of dynasty. Because I, I think, look at the, the what the squad have achieved, as Gag said, last season and this season. I mean, it, it's phenomenal. And, and obviously, to keep it up at that level is is unsustainable, really. I don't think any club, you know, City haven't done it. You know they've dropped off this year massively. A, I've just put a tweet yeah. in the in the chat. I don't know if you're following, but it says um, from Cuzzy, no team has ever got ninety plus points three seasons running. Levels drop. Yeah. You know exactly, so, and, and that's the kind of drop then. Yeah, well, you look at City and go, well, they haven't been able to sustain it this year, and whether that's because we've kept that pressure up all season and they've caved under that pressure, or whether it's not because they've spent in the wrong areas, which you could certainly say, seeing that they keep spending. £60 million on fullbacks and not addressing their centre-half needs. Do you know what I mean? So One more year of that, please. <laughs> oh, mate, yeah, let them buy all the fullbacks they need because it's not going to help. Um, if they buy Koulibaly, then I might be a little bit more concerned. Um, but that's the thing. You look at it and go, well, where do we really need to invest? And everyone go, well, look at the first 11. It's great and they can compete with anyone, but there's not much depth there. But at the end of the day, we, you know, we're bringing on Origi who now just looks so out of place in this team. I mean, I know he had that kind of spike last season and, and fair play to him. And he, he kind of goes down as that kind of legend for what he did in terms of the Barcelona and, and, and you know, whatnot. But he, he doesn't fit this team. We've kind of moved past him. Um, perhaps not Ox. I think he's obviously got a lot still to offer. But, you know, Shakiri never really fitted in off the ball. Do you know what I mean? And obviously there's been issues which have kept him out the side this season. And, you know, I think we need better. If you look at those two players, 
I want not necessarily, you know, Shakiri's won a lot, to be fair. You know, look at league title winners. He's won God knows how many things, hasn't he, with Bayern Munich and, and various clubs he's been at. Um, but he's not, you know, not been available. And we need players to be fit and available and make a difference. And yeah, it's 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 tricky looking at our squad and thinking, well, what more could Klopp get out of it uh, without signings? I mean, he couldn't. And, and we're not going to achieve, you know, much more than what we've done this year. You can't do better than we've done this year. I know we've dropped off the last few games, but you just can't sustain it. You can't keep winning games in the last minute and just, you know, and, and keeping that defensive stability and record. I mean, some sides do, but then they don't play with much vigour going forward. We've really combined kind of both sides of it. It's amazing defence and really strong, powerful attack. Mm. I think midfield is just that one area that could be tweaked in terms of our playing style just to help us out. But I just worry, you know, going another season, if we don't spend, how many more positions will we need to fill what, in 12 months' time? I know we've got kids to, to, to potentially, you know, get into the side. I think Elliot is still too young. I think he's going to need a lot longer, understandably. I mean, he's a, he's a kid. He's, he was still, what, is he still going to school until last week? You know, technically, it's, it's kind of crazy to think you can rely on a player like that straight away. I know he's got the talent. Jones, I would have liked to see Jones play 30 minutes today because at least he takes a shot. He obviously has got so much self-confidence. And I think he will have a lot to offer. But again, he's got a lot to learn. You know, you, you can't... We're playing at such a high level most of the time. It's really hard to expect players to come in and just reach that level unless you're buying players that have maybe done it before or, mm. you know, have that little bit more experience, that little bit more, yeah. you know, nous about them. So I'm hoping we do target. A couple of smart buys would work and seals over for a season, I think. And then hopefully financially we're in a position next summer to maybe start looking at that dynasty project and, and start maybe looking at players that might be past their best and we look to, to bring in the right kind of players to keep us going under Klopp's tenure. Because as Nina says, I don't want to do all this hard work and, and then it, it kind of fall around us because we could win loads. Do you know what I mean? And, and we've never done that since the 80s. So it's, you know, it's, it is the time to kind of keep winning titles, keep winning major competitions because we'll never have a better chance. As strong as the other teams are, they don't have Klopp and, and we do. And that's the big difference for me. Yeah. Um, I always think of AC Milan and that great team that, you know, we faced in the final and, um, yeah. you know, how that team got ran down to its last legs and the the replacements were just knocked apart. Diva, you, um, you've been awfully quiet. I think you are doing a playbook and you're emailing Jurgen Klopp as we speak in terms of what he needs to do with these players and how he needs to change it up. I mean, I'll let you have um, as your thoughts on this. You've heard us discuss. I mean, is there anything you'd like to add further? Yeah, just, just a few points. Um, I think in terms of the Naby Keita thing and why he wasn't starting, I always got the impression from since since the, the the restart that Klopp's working on a sports science basis in terms of players getting minutes and stuff like that. That's the impression that I've gotten. And maybe it you know it stems from I mean even today the substitutions were at exactly sixty minutes. So for me it 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 felt like that. Um but maybe with Naby the the fear that's there is we don't want to put too much on him too soon. 
okay, he'll play one game. Okay, then he'll play two games in a row. Okay, then we'll take him off. Then he won't play. Then he won't start for the next two. Then we'll let him start three games in a row. Then he won't start one. I think maybe they're trying to build that up slowly and they don't want to, because the last thing they want is for him to get another injury now. Mm. Because then it's going to be the same as this season where it stopped, stop, stop, start. I think they're trying to nurse him through this season while still keeping his mat fitness up as, as much as, as best as they can. So that next season he hits the ground running. Um, and he, he then also has full trust in his body and can really go at next season. That, that's the impression I get for that. Internally, how do they, um, evolve the squad? I don't think they can internally. Obviously, the navigator coming into the team would be a big factor. But a- apart from that, I think most of the, the other uh, personnel has been covered. I think the kids that are there, they, they're still too young. And unless there's like a serious injury to a player, I don't see Jurgen Klopp throwing the kids in there. Um, he tends to shy away from that. I think he, he, I get the impression he finds it a bit unfair on the kid to put that much pressure on him too early on. Um, so I, I think maybe I, I don't see how else he could do it. Maybe a, a, a change in style of play, but again, with such a short preseason, will you have time to really implement what you want to implement um so yeah it it looks like it's gonna have to come from outside the team if it's not coming from navigator and if it's coming from outside the team i've always thought you know if you look at the way liverpool have done it when the owners came in the first i've always looked at it as phases and the first phase that came in was buying all the young young potential players that you can um and what that tactic some are going to be hit, some are going to be missed. You know, we, we had the, the Hendersons and we had the Markoviches. Like it, it, you know, it goes either way. Um, and then once we, we got the youngsters, there were some successes, not so successful in other places. Then the next phase was getting the players that have broken past being youngsters and they're starting to try and see if they can, you know, get more consistency. So of the ones that we saw as potential, that are now in the 21 to 24 age group, that's when we started getting, you know, maybe like the, the Mane's early on, um, where he, he wasn't quite entering that consistency level at Southampton. You could see there was a player there, but he definitely wasn't consistent. I think it was something like during the months of January and April, he, he never used to score, you know, stuff like that. So then we got those players in. Then the next phase after that was then now getting players that are on the brink of becoming world-class, but aren't quite world-class yet. The Mo Salas, the, you could, you know, people could argue Van Dyke was already world-class, but the Van Dykes, the Allisons, like these are players that weren't at the top of just, if you were to ask people that maybe don't look too deep into the numbers of football, okay, who would you say are the top five goalkeepers in the world? Not many people would have said Allison before we signed him and, you know, before he's done what he's done. Not many people would have mentioned, you know, Van Dyke maybe could have been mentioned, but not many would have. Fabinho, same thing. If you'd looked really closely, you would have mentioned him, but the general people would have been looking at the Verratis of the world and, you know, the, the, the Casemiro's. They wouldn't have mentioned Fabinho. So now you've got those players in. The next phase after that, and... I suppose um, I can do it now. I, I would have written an article on this if like the Tiago signing did become a reality. 
was that the next phase from that is to then now sign players that are already world class opposed to you know you so you're going up in the stages and that's how you build your team so that now the hendersons um have gone up from the they were really potential in that first phase that by the time you you're signing the world class players they can keep up with the world class class players because they've developed to obviously maybe not world class but he's developed to a, a stage where he can keep up with them so you start sprinkling in the world class players now and that's where you get the consistency that's when you get the multiple trophies because these are the guys that are coming in and saying this is not acceptable if we want to win at the end of the season again this is the standard that's always you know a tiago he knows how to win titles he's done it gags was saying how many odd years he's won titles he knows what to do he knows what's expected he could come in on the first day look around and say yeah no this team doesn't have it you know what i mean like this is not how you do it and he could help and 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 help the youngsters help the guys that are already there share his experience do that kind of stuff then you go for a couple of years winning trophies and towards the tail end of that then you know what real madrid were the season that they beat us in the final where you're at your absolute peak you've won back to back champions leagues then now you start doing which is what real madrid messed up with is then you start going back to that phase 1 again before your your phase 6 or whatever it was now becomes over the hill so you do like 2 3 years of these bringing in one or two world class players and then you slowly start bringing that phase 1 again and then you then it's in that rebuild and that's why i thought we were very insistent on klopp extending his contract because we needed him because the contract wasn't going to cover that next rebuild but mm. we needed him to and he's going to have to take the sacrifice of doing that rebuild again so that when the next manager comes in he's not starting at phase 1 he's starting at like 3 or 4 and it helps exactly and then it's yeah. smooth it, it it's a smooth trend that's how you build dynasties that's mm. how you and i get the impression that that's what they're doing it 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 makes sense if you look back on how we've done it whether or not they are actually going to do that i, I don't know things like the pandemic like we could not have expected that to have come and you could look with for example the verna signings and stuff they were going to do stuff in this window and then to just assume that they wouldn't have signed people if it wasn't for the pandemic guys we got to be real we we this is the real world we're living in it it for a club like liverpool that was so heavily into ffp and 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 doing it the right way a pandemic is the worst kind of thing if you look at the nike deal for example it's going to be nowhere near as valuable as what it was going to be without the pandemic cuz just the amount of people that would have bought jerseys that can't necessarily buy jerseys now is going to it it's going to take a hit you know um stuff stuff like that is going to is going to be a factor so it it just sucks that it happened at this point in time but hopefully they can continue that phase and 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 we'll see how how it goes lovely lovely interesting stuff um cheers for that guys um hakim i'll let you have the final say proper proper good discussion there you know you you got you got your money's worth there from that question well actually i don't think there's much left for me to add just um maybe a message to everyone who who who's listening hey it's okay to disagree with people mm-hmm. and it's okay to think that two two points are just as valid as the other Agreed. i think everyone needs to relax with this this extremist you know 
opinions that they have. And even if you do have those opinions, it's okay for someone else to have another opinion. So I see on Twitter and everywhere right now, everyone is like, oh, you can't criticize the team. It's okay to to, to be aware of the issues. So it's okay with has. FSG out, Keem? If that's someone's opinion, then it's fine. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's, I think it's, personally, I think it's flawed. But then you have people who don't. You're entitled to your opinion. It doesn't mean you're right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh shit! But but just to finish, it's 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 fine for some people to be FSG out, but you have others that are you know are are, are debating them and becoming FSG in when that's that's yeah. not necessary. It's no, okay to it. say, all right, you don't need to be overreacting, but you don't need to just have you know. This utter reverence for for FSG. I mean, they're Absolutely. they're businessmen. They they're trying to make money. They're doing what they're doing. You don't have to come to their defense. You know. I mean, we just yeah. need to take a step back as people and look at things more more clearly or with a little bit more perspective. And I know that word gets thrown around a lot, but you know, sometimes it, we just have to not overreact. Spot on, Hakeem. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, thank you so much for calling. Well, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure. Okay, so that was Hakeem. I think it's our last caller. Now it's just myself, Rory and Steve, and Gads will probably float in as well. I see Guy has joined us in. Why am I the floater? That's not nice. Oh, the floater? Okay, no. You know what a floater is? It's a piece of shit. Listen, listen, this is nothing. If you listen to the previous Nuna Kauza show, Justin described James Milner as a meat and two veg kind of guy. I pissed myself laughing. He couldn't understand why. I had to explain to him what it meant on this side of the pond. Over there, it means it's a very, very boring dinner. We know, yes, we know. So, so, you know, this this pod is all about dodgy references. I'm just going to put that out there. Guys, um, we've had a really interesting chat there, but we've not really spoke an awful lot about the game. I think as a whole, we can all agree we played really, really well. Um, uh, frustrating, you know, not to kind of win. I think the question I'm going to throw to all of you is, um, which was, I mean, there's two immortal men there who kind of, um, uh, dis- you know, showcase to the world that they are very much human, Alison and Van Dyke. So I-, I guess what I want to ask is, which one for you is more human? Which was the bigger ever? Um, uh, Rory, I'll come to you first. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Um, so Van Dyke is a machine. Um, Van Dyke is not human. I think we all established this a while ago. I mean, the guy has played how many games consecutively for us and, and really never made a mistake. And he just... No human can be built that way and look quite as handsome as, as that man and play football. He could probably play any sport really well. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you look at the build of him his pace he could play rugby and dominate he could do athletics he could probably do anything so it's tricky with him yeah anything i mean he's just he's just unbelievable um his mistake was just a little bit relating to his his arrogance because if anyone tries to tackle him or get the ball off him he normally shrugs them off and goes how dare you even attempt to tackle me? Do you know what I mean? So he knows yeah. he's good. He knows he's what he is. Um, 
but he's done it once before, maybe twice before, and it's extremely rare. Do you know what I mean? It is. It is. He's maybe once a season kind of guy. Um, Allison, I mean, he, he his distribution at times very rarely at times can be a little bit erratic. Um, only only occasionally, um, and it doesn't often catch him out because obviously his positioning. He's he's the best keeper in the world right now. His positioning is 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 unreal, and his handling and everything else. He's he does the basics so well. I mean, you know, everyone's always talking about Edison's distribution and that kind of stuff, but he's not anywhere near the level of Allison. I mean, his his distribution and isn't isn't the best part of his game, but the rest of his game is literally a ten. So um, you're talking a minor kind of blip. So it's tricky. You'll never get it again. I don't think you'll get an, a game where you get two blatant errors from Liverpool players again without Dejan in the starting lineup, and I don't know if we'll see that again. Um, so, yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? It did kill us completely. Um, obviously, second half, we really should have scored. I mean, we had enough chances. They're not entirely clear-cut. I mean, the, the goal we did score, which was an excellent goal, not even discuss that. It was a great goal that we scored. Um, we don't do kind of enough of that, you know. Firmino was involved and um, kind of held onto the ball. Great way to pass. Um, great cutback by Robbo, and then Mane kind of does what Mane does in that position. Um, but we just didn't really do enough of that. Trent didn't really get forward, and, and you know, didn't get Salah into the game. Salah was kind of for most of the game. And it, we just were, kind of weren't ourselves and haven't been ourselves really by the Palace game, which we were as dominant as we were when we played Leicester. So it's it's tricky. We had all the ball, but I still don't think in the final third we're quite cutting edge. composed enough. Yeah, there's not much cutting edge. Composure's not really there. I think we we kind of the, the final pass isn't quite right, or or we're not shooting enough. You know, to be honest, there's times where we really should put our foot through it um and you know maybe ox was the thinking for that but you know i'd like to see us kind of maybe score you know salah can certainly score from distance and just isn't getting into those positions anymore they're kind of all tripping over each other's toes a little bit and it's not quite what it was um but kind of the more we've had these conversations tonight i'm a bit more asked about it all i think it is just a temporary thing i don't expect us to ever go back to this, you know, under Klopp, we are such a kind of, you know, we're an exceptional football team, but we work as hard, if not harder, than every other team out there. Mm. And that's the difference. And I just don't think we, we're doing that. You know, we're not doing the basics and the fundamentals. And a lot of the players look like maybe they a bit. It's a good, interesting conversation about mentality and whether finally the pressure is off after winning the title, after all this pressure, after nearly winning it last year and all the kind of heartache around that. I know the Champions League certainly helped, but it would have been gutting last year. You know, we were all devastated last year um, and they finally got this title and there's no supporters to, to, to be there with them. They've obviously had to wait quite a long time to lift the trophy. And, you know, maybe Liverpool and Klopp, you know, normally suit being the underdogs, you know. I know... I know it, strange thing with all these world-class players but Klopp's mentality, Liverpool's mentality evolved bar, you know, in most recent times bar that, you know, obviously that dominating periods in the 70s and 80s we were always underdogs, we were never really 
the team to be out in front, we were always kind of chasing and, and the nearly kind of play, you know, the mm. team. And, and to kind of be not that team anymore is a bit of an um We've got to get, I think Gags mentioned that City are relentless. Like, I know they've defensively been shocking at times this season. And they've struggled to break through on a couple of games, like Southampton, I can't score that game. They four cleared off the line in one, one attack. But they never stop you know, attacking and trying to score. I don't think we're quite that team. I think we're... More of a reference to when they won the title, Rory. They could drive, you know, they had a different style where, you know, that stadium's hardly the loudest, you know, where they play. No, certainly not. So it was more about they they can just... They're just machine-like, aren't they? That's it. Yeah, yeah. And Pep's teams are like that, though, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah, this year they've got flaws in their squad, absolutely. But they are still... Machine like you, you are worried they're going to. Well, they still games. they still win five nil quite yeah. regularly. Yeah, I know they have a lot of days, but I think if they fix the defense, then you'll start to see them grinding out those results again. I mean, when they got the hundred points that season, they were winning games by one goal late on. Do you know in that difficult period? You know, kind of November through to January, February, and then when they got past that and they just won all those games in a row, they were just cruise control. No one could touch them. Um, we are quite machine-like in, the, in usually in terms of defence and how we play and we set up. But our attack is never quite as cut and thrust. I don't think we ever really take take it to teams like they do. Um, mainly because I think we've been trying to come year. We haven't. Been, I mean, you'll know the pressing much better than me. Um, but I don't think we've been playing as intently throughout ninety minutes as we usually would. You know, I, I think we're not chasing games and we're not chasing. Yeah, the, the scoreline, you know, we're just trying to. That's right, mate. We haven't. Um, we've lost. We've we've missed eleven out of fourteen big chances since the restart. That's okay. Longest. Yeah, that is massive. Yeah, that is massive. And you can't really have that. You've got to take your chances when they come to you. And I think we're not creating anywhere near as much as we do. But I mean, fourteen big chances and uh, you know missing that many is it's quite quite a big deal. And it's game state, isn't it? it you know. If you get those early goals, I mean, even against City, we should have scored a couple in the first 20 minutes, shouldn't we? And if that had happened, then it's probably a different game. Do you know what I mean? And that's the thing with Liverpool. I think even that Barcelona, I don't know, we don't talk about the Barcelona 3-0. I still can't believe we lost that game 3-0. We were were, were better. They were were lucky. They were so lucky to get them goals. Yeah, I know exactly. It could have been four as well. Dembele missed that City, didn't he? And it would have been a different contest. You know, but... I sometimes just get sucker punched and it just happens. Still, Atletico Madrid as well. I still can't believe we lost that game. So, it, we're not perfect, but I mean, we're as close as we can probably ever expect to be. Um, I'm just hoping that, yeah, we'll get all this out of our system and we'll hit the reset button. The players need a much kind of well-deserved actual holiday and break and just come again firing next year. Klopp won't let it sit like this. Do you know what I mean? There's just no way he's not frustrated and angry at the players. Because I don't think anyone wants us to lose. If we draw a few games, play quite dull, fine, but we're losing games and that's I mean, not, we never lose. So it's it's quite a tough one, tough one to take, but I think we'll all move past it once that trophy lift after the Chelsea game. I think that's what we all need. 
You know what? I asked him who made the bigger boo boo. He just literally spoke about the whole game. Do Sorry. No, we I haven't talked about the game. Yeah, he, he just. <laughs> I think that's it. We're sorted. Yeah. You know what? Uh, you I shouldn't invite me on after three years. That's what you're going to yeah, get. <laughs> he's to talk about. I thought he was going to go back to the Brendan era then. I was like, oh my God. It was good. He had a lot to get off his chest. It was a good therapy session for him. To do that, I'll come to you. I mean, talk to me about. Just the game in general, you know, Robbie just freestyled there. So, you know what, just just get it all off your chest. <laughs> um, I'll start with the, the question itself. I thought um, Van Dyke's one was a bigger mistake. You know, Klopp's face was more disgusted at Alice's. <laughs> it was someone handed him a shitty nappy. But I think that's because it was, it, it's kind of like when someone, too, when someone like, makes the fifth, the fifth tackle and it's not that bad and they get the yellow card. And then it's kind of like, yeah, you're getting it because of what's happened previously from all the other tackles. It was that with the Allison one. I think he got the brunt of it because of all the other errors. Gag spoke about the Fabinho mispasses, a lot of missed chances up top, a lot of clumsiness, the Van Dyke error, and then now the Allison one. I think it was because if you look at the Van Dyke one, there wasn't really that much pressure on him. And obviously him playing for the foul, it it, uh, it wasn't a foul. Um, whereas if you look at the Allison one, I thought that the throw-in back to Allison was weird. The fact that Van Dyke he did that thing where the defender blocks off the striker so that the keeper has more time, but Van Dyke didn't go into the striker's like pathway. He just stood still and the striker ran around him, which then meant Allison was under more pressure than he would normally be under. And then if you look at both Robertson and Van Dyke, Robertson threw the ball and then just stood there. He didn't come to to help Allison, you know, to show for the ball, like, okay, play it back to me, especially after the striker was pressurizing. And then also Van Dyke, he just, as soon as the striker went past him, he just turned around and looked at Allison. He didn't move into a place where Allison could pass the ball to him. So I think, and Allison is very good at if you show for the ball, he can pass it to you. I think it got to a stage where the, the ball got to him and he's looking around and no one's showing for the ball. He's like, okay, I just have to try and put my foot through it. And then he just miss kicks it. So I, I thought the Van Dyke one was, was more, was more of a bigger mistake because there, there wasn't that much pressure on him just past the ball. Uh, he was trying to be too cute for my liking. <laughs> but then again, he is calm as you like. So it, it, you, you take it, you take it. Um, but then in terms of the entire game, hmm, um, yeah, I thought we started well. And uh, as I said, I, I thought it was like a lion just playing with its, with its meal. Um, we were pressing them at will. We were passing the ball around them. We, we showed that they're at, obviously they're trying to do what we were doing in terms of, and that's why I always keep calling them 13, 14 Liverpool, where they're trying to do the whole passing from the back. They're trying to do the pressing thing, but because it's still so new to them, we know where all the weak points are. When they pass from the back, we know which players to press and, and, and they don't quite necessarily understand how to be press resi- uh, resistant. And then also when they press, we know how to do the quick one-two passes and we just destroy the entire pr- uh, press. So it was going pretty well. Uh, we got the goal and then the team just looked like, and which is quite dangerous, I think, for a Klopp team, especially this Klopp team, is the team started to believe their own hype. And every time this team starts to believe their own hype, something not so great happens. 
So I'm hoping that these little reminders help them to to not get too complacent, not get too cocky, and 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 we don't see a lot of these performances because Klopp's teams they're always going to be more hungry than you. They're always going to be their attention span is going to be full on for 90 minutes and 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 I didn't see that in this game. I thought the team looked like they felt especially after that first 20 minutes like oh we could we could beat these guys in third gear. Um and 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 they got punished for that and I suppose credit to Arsenal for taking the chances that they got. Usually um teams whenever they get chances against us they don't they don't take their chances. So yeah, it was a weird game. Not too worried about it, but worried that it could set in. We hope that it doesn't, but I think Klopp needs to stamp this out right now. Like, like he needs to stamp it out and either stop playing these players because at at this point, is it not doing more damage than good playing the starting eleven players and having them half ass it through some of the games and and end up making mistakes and stuff. It's actually, it, it, it might take away from their confidence. Who knows? Hopefully not, but I would rather see the hungrier players play these games, especially now that we can't beat the points tally, throw the kids in there, or at least the hungrier players in, in, in there, or the players that are fighting to stay at the club or, or fighting for for a starting position for next season, and then take some of these these top players out of the limelight, maybe give them a break. Um, because yeah, they play a lot of international football as well, so they don't get much of a break. I think there's international football in September. Um, well, at least it's on paper. There, there's international football in September, um, and that's crazy to think uh, that these players are going to be playing international football as well. That's our tail happening, not to be honest with you. Uh, it doesn't. But if if there's a hint of that, then I'll hundred percent it's happening. Yeah, if the if the Champions League can happen. International football can happen, but um, I think it's a good place to probably finish the show there, Nin, because it's nearly midnight. Yes, absolutely. Well, guys, thank you so much for calling. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for everyone that joined us live and has been, you know, inputting in the chat box. A massive thank you to both Rory and Tadiva. Before I let them go, I'll just get some plugs from them. Uh, Rory, I'll start with you first. Where can people find you on Twitter and maybe some of the work that you're doing and stuff? Um, so yeah, I'm at Rory Greenfield. Uh, I do talk quite a lot of football on my Twitter feed. Um, I do still cover a little bit of pop culture stuff on a podcast now and again, uh, which is at Famous Last Nerds. Uh, me and Stu, who you know very well, still cover a few things here and there. Um, I haven't written anything in years, but I'm furloughed, so maybe I'll get around to doing something right now. But no, it was great to be on. Um, really nice conversation and yeah some interesting points it's good to hear different people's opinions on these things because it really does kind of change your perspective so nice you got some nice reasonable level-headed people this evening so i've come off a little bit calmer after a nice chat it's amazing amazing what a league title will do for you but rory you've been an absolutely incredible guest and you're welcome anytime um loved hearing your thoughts and opinions um, it was nice going back down memory lane with you there. You know, it's been long since. Oh, yeah. Papa G was back. Papa G. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and to do that, um, some plugs for yourself. Where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, Twitter handle is the Ace of Nave Seven. So you can find me there. Uh, we will. <laughs> we should have an interesting rate. Don't hate coming up after this game. 
Um, I'll be interested to see some of the scores that some of the players got. Um, if you want to go back and yeah, if if you want to go and go back and listen to the one we did uh, last week, I I kind of had a bit of a, a a rant halfway through when when I saw some of the scores that our midfielders were getting for the Man City game where we lost and people were giving them sevens out of ten, um, which I thought was just unacceptable. Um, but anyway, so if I see any sevens in in this in 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 this game for certain players, I'm I'm gonna lose it. I'm gonna absolutely lose it. Um, and then also from the wrestling side, we've got a pro wrestling index podcast uh, we recorded today, so it should be coming out soon. Uh, there's a pay per view, Extreme Rules pay per view coming up this weekend, so have a listen to that. Uh, hear our predictions and and see how many we get right. And then, then before we go, make it a bit funny because we, we've got Guy sitting there and I haven't done this for a long time. If you're an AI Pro subscriber, you'll probably have missed it since I've been working back to my day job. Um, Nina, you need to mute because it's reverbering through. Uh, but <laughs> Guy, you know what's coming. <laughs> we want your funny hello when you come on to this. So the GD with the GT. <laughs> come on. Oh my god, his mic's not working for fuck's sake. Jesus Christ. Ruined it. Okay, I'll do I'll, I'll, I'll stand in for Guy. Go on, do the, do the hello, do the hello. Go on, intro, intro me in again. The GD with the GT. Hello. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. Right, okay. We're, we're Tell it's nearly midnight, can't you? Jesus. We're, taking, we're stop taking the piss out of Guy Drinkle. The main man, but uh, yeah, shame yeah, you for doing this. Yep, well, thank you for listening, guys. Take care, chins up, and up the reds. Podcast Network.